This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone! On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Hey, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Pat Caputo, Dan Dickerson. How are you, Pat? Radio play-by-play voice of the Tigers. And you know what, Dan? What? You can always tell when we're on because it snows like crazy. <laughs> we were so surprised last week with our first show that it was the weather was benign. Yes. There was nothing going on, yes. and we didn't understand that. Now we know. Normally, we're like it's the back. we're like the postman. We got to go through <laughs> rain and snow and sleet and dead of winter. So uh, if you're wondering come, why we're getting snow and we shouldn't be, it's because Tiger Talk is on. Yeah, Tiger Talk uh, comes on now. You know, hopefully we'll be on earlier in some of these other years. We'll do podcasts, all those different things. Uh, we've discussed, but right now you got us and you got us in the dead of winter, which is actually a great time for it because I think everybody is thinking about spring training and the start of the year. And I think there's a growing excitement about the Tigers because they were active this off season. Um, they didn't subtract, they added, um, they, uh, and they, plus they got a couple younger players and deals they made last year, at trade deadline. And it seems like Al Avila's done a pretty good job of uh, filling the holes for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it last week, and we'd love to hear from callers and Tigers fans today about their view of the offseason moves. We're going to talk with Brad Osmus at 745, get his take on it. But you're right, and I think, Pat, one of the things we talked about last week, that Alavila was aggressive. He absolutely had a game plan. You could tell in September when the Tigers were out of it and they couldn't make any moves yet, he and his staff were just absolutely champing at the bit to get going on the on the postseason because they'd thought about it, they'd had their meetings, they had a plan, but they couldn't do anything, and they were just dying to get going. So once it started, they did not hesitate. And in several cases, I think uh, being active early and aggressive early really paid off. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. As Dan said, uh, we can sit here and talk, but uh, I know people. We I got a lot of emails about this show and uh, you know tweets. People wonder when it was going to come on and all those different things. And we're here. And uh, we're here to talk baseball. It's your opportunity. And we're here to talk you when a cesspit is. Yes. And that about that. <laughs> and uh, all kinds of different things. And, of course, we have Brad Osmus on tonight, the Tigers manager, a 745. So, you know, we got a, a full slate. So give us a call. We'll put you on. We'd love to hear from you. Again, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. I think, Dan... The area of biggest improvement, though, to me, and it was their area of biggest weakness, it's been traditionally, even uh, for most of the successful seasons they've had since turning the corner in 2006, has been the bullpen. Yeah. And uh, I really like uh, what the Tigers have done in the bullpen. Uh, K-Rod, to me, is an upgrade from Soria. Uh, I love what K-Rod brings to the table. I've been screaming for that for four years. Bargain, (laughs) get him. Um, Justin Wilson, I can't believe he was available uh, for what the Tigers paid for that, which was not even marginal prospects, in my opinion. Uh, and also, uh, you're talking about uh, getting somebody like Lowe, 
uh, who's got pretty good arms. So, and then you throw uh, Alex Wilson and Blaine Harney, who did really good work under difficult circumstances for them, backed them down a little bit, and all right. of a sudden you got a good bullpen. Is that your assessment of it? Yeah, I mean, Alex Wilson, to me, is was the MVP of the bullpen. Blaine Hardy, too. I mean, but but now you, instead of protecting leads at the back end, Alex Wilson can give you multiple innings and will take the ball every day if you want him to. They, they really had to kind of pace themselves, <laughs> if you want to put it that way, in using Alex Wilson because he would take it every day, and he would give you three innings one day and say, be ready the next. But there's a great value on a guy like that who can give you multiple innings Fall behind early, say 6-1. You've got the offense that can catch up. He gives you three innings to bridge the gap to the late innings. And all of a sudden, it's a 6-5 game, and you're right back in it. Those guys are extremely valuable. And Blaine Hardy really did a very nice job. But I, I still think that maybe the deal of the offseason was the Justin Wilson deal because you got an established major leaguer who was under control for three more years for two low-level prospects. And there, aren't, there just aren't that many lefties who throw mid-90s and have had success in the major leagues. And who, by the way, cut his walks while keeping the strikeout rate above a strikeout an inning uh, last year. It, to me, that's just those guys. You just can't find those guys. I was surprised by that. I, I was very surprised bullpen, when you look are... at the cost of setup men. Ryan Madsen been injured for four years, got three years, twenty-two million, and then Tigers went out and got Justin Wilson, who's not going to cost you a whole lot this year. He may in the next couple of years, but right now, with the way setup men are costing six and seven million dollars, that's an incredibly good deal. He's arbitration eligible, so he'll get a bump in pay, but it's not going to be prohibitive. I'm surprised the Yankees, who don't seem to be that concerned about payroll, certainly for arbitration eligible guys, would do that. And the prospects that the Tigers gave up, Sessa and uh, Chad Green, to me, were marginal guys. Sessa was one of the guys they got in the uh, Cespedes deal with the Mets, kind of the second guy. Fulmer, who's their top prospect, was a number one guy. And then uh, uh, Chad Green was a – you know, I think he was like 29th in the Baseball America rankings last year, but it wouldn't have been a stretch if he wasn't even in the top 30. So I didn't uh, feel uh, that the Tigers gave up that much for that. I was surprised by it. I love K-Rod. I'll tell you why, Dan. He's got, he pierces the strike zone early in the count. Doesn't matter how hard he throws. He throws on the edges of the zone, but yet he throws strikes. And then he, he has an off-speed pitch that's an out pitch. It's not going to hang up there on a tee a little bit if he misses like Soria's ball. People can't lay off it. The hitters can't. He's outstanding. In in my opinion, watching him pitch uh, last year, I was surprised when the Orioles got him in a trade deadline deal. It didn't put them over the top more. So much, I think, a K-Rod. So I think he's going to do well. He's kind of a – right now he's morphed in from the guy who used to throw hard when he was early in his career with the Angels right. and all that into a guy who's got the he Trevor had, Hoffman type of thing. He going. had a wipeout slider those first with that power fastball. There were times that He's he was changed. absolutely I mean, unhittable. If you were to take like a <laughs> like an elapsed time thing of him, and even like when he first started with the Brewers, he was still throwing that big 12-6 thing. But now I'm looking at him, watching him pitch last year. You know, he's got the three fingers on the ball like the changeup. Yeah. That thing's dropping off a table. Yeah, it's gone from fastball slider to fastball changeup. Yeah, and it's a really, really – it's a funky pitch, hard to hit. Talking about the bullpen, Pat, I was just looking at some numbers. Do we have time to do this, or should I do yeah, it after yeah, the break? Yeah. Looking at what Brad Ausmus had to deal with last year, and let's face it, all fans, and they should, like to second-guess managers, as Brad Ausmus said, go ahead and first-guess me, don't or, or second-guess the results. Don't second-guess the result, second-guess the move. Which is, in other words, did I make the right move – Maybe it didn't turn out, but did I make the right move? So here's what he was up against last year. 
And this comes courtesy of the Bill James Handbook. You and I love this book. Yes. It comes out every year. It's an amazing book with some of the things that they, they look at. Well, highly, highly recommend. There were four pitchers on the Tigers staff last year who made 30 appearances or more. So not just the fringe guys who made an appearance here or there. Four guys, 30 appearances or more in the Tigers bullpen that Brad Osmus had to <laughs> call upon to try to get outs in key situations who allowed an opponent's on-base plus slugging of 850 or higher. If you're a hitter and you have an on-base plus slugging of 850 or higher, you're in the top 10. These are four relievers who combined to make 400 or face 430 batters who allowed each one of them an on-base plus slugging by their opponents of 850 or higher. I guess by contrast, Jabba. Kansas City had two relievers who allowed an on-base plus slugging of over 700. That's the difference in the best bullpen in the American League, and Houston was right there and the worst. And that's what Brad Ausmus was up against last year. Yeah. He just he was trying things. He kept trying these guys. Well, you need to shorten the games. You need to uh, the Tigers' philosophy. They stayed too long with hey, you go into the you you get better starters and you have seventh and eighth innings, and then those guys shorten the bullpen. That philosophy very much is old school. Um, if you look and you look at, I don't, I haven't looked at my Bill James book yet. I haven't purchased it. Yet. I was shocked at, to hear, by the way, that you had not. No, the Borders <laughs> bookstore closed by me, and I didn't order it online. I've been by Barnes I am and shocked Noble. that this book, which comes out in I November, know, I know, <laughs> it's not but on your it, shelf. A lot yet. of stuff's on Fangraphs, and if you go to Fangraphs, um, it's not as comprehensive as that. Get that Bill James book. You can sit there. I mean, literally, you when can get I, lost in it. It's I, great. I'll be like reading it. And you're right, hours. by the way. Jabba Chamberlain was one of the four. Um, if you go and you look at uh, the fastballs of relievers and you look at the starting pitchers, now you have Syndergaard and a few other guys that are up there, DeGrom. There's others. You know, they're pretty obvious. But the top starting pitchers, like Jordan Zimmerman, for example, was 24th in Major League Baseball. I think it was 92.9 or 93 He was right at 93, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so that's a pretty hard thrower for a starter. Relievers, the list is really long of guys who throw over 95. Yep. Really, really long. And it's because Major League Baseball has shortened itself to five innings, six innings starts instead of six innings, seven innings Kansas starts. City's changing the way we look at how games are, are closed out. And they well, you know, St. Louis has done that for a while. You know, uh, there have been other teams, but Kansas City is the— They line up the guys one, two, three, and they all go one inning, and they don't come in with men on base— all of those things are huge for a man. One inning guys, and you know the thing about the Kansas City guys, why it, it accelerates this, is all, all those guys through ninety seven, ninety eight. You know, <laughs> uh, so it's uh, something that is. You know, you bring in Wade Davis as your eighth inning guy. It's a little different when Holland got hurt, but right. every one of those guys threw extraordinarily hard and were nasty. And the Tigers, by doing this, have shown. Even though they did go out and get another starter in Zimmerman and Pelfrey, they did fill out their rotation, that this is the way they're going yes. to go because they've given Brad Osmus the tools. I defended Brad a lot last year on this because a lot of times he had damned if you do, damned if you right. don't decisions, and fans would be up in arms. So 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Uh, he's Dan Dickerson on Pack. But, hey, look, what do you think? We'd love to hear from you. I mean, we're talking baseball on a cold, cold, snowy night. It's Tiger Talk, and 97 won the ticket. The baseball team that Detroiters love most. The Detroit Tigers live here. 97 won the ticket.
Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Fly ball, left field, fairly deep on the run is Murphy going back at the track and it's gone, a home run. Just kept carrying the left center. James McCann with number six. Big two out, two run home run in the sixth. And the Tigers now trail 8-6. Dan Dickerson with the call. James McCann. The uh, platooning, I think, this year with Jared Saltamacchia. How do you look at the breakdown? Uh, you look, I think Saltamacchia is a better hitter than Avila. But does, no, but do you look at uh, McCann? I oh, mean, I think you'll get the majority of starts. 15 to 120 starts. Yeah, that's so what think? I figure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think it'll be a pure platoon. The thing about James McCann, 248-539-9797. You listen to Tiger Talk Pack and put it along with the radio. Play-by-play voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson, tonight. Brad Osmus to join us at 745. We'd love to hear from you. Um, on the uh, situation with McCann, James McCann is a much better hitter, and this also extends down to the minor leagues, against left-handed pitching compared to right-handed pitching. And I think it changed a little bit the second half of last year, but it was a startling contrast, uh, numbers-wise. Castellanos had the biggest gap. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know major league, but no, I'm talking about on the Tigers. Oh, on the Tigers yeah. when you look at he it, he hit so, lefties. So I have to, I'll have to see, you know, what it was. I just remember uh, one of the things that I was a little bit up in arms about it, critical of the Tigers on this, um, was in 2014 uh, that they didn't bring up McCann, that they played Brian Holiday instead, uh, because McCann's numbers were off the charts against left-handed pitching. And you, it, it carried through at least the first half of last year uh, that way. And uh, so, you know, Salto Lamacchia, to me, has got a little – I think Alex Avila uh, will benefit from a change of scenery, and I think the Tigers will benefit from a change of scenery of Alex. I think it was the perfect time to do it, whether yep. his father became the general manager or not. But I think – especially considering that, so I think that, but I think their catching platoon will be good. Uh, uh, James McCann, to me, outstanding leadership qualities. Um, he's not a kid. He's 26, 27 years old, something like that. He was a college kid from Arkansas who they put in the minors for a while. So I I really like him as a, as a and ball player. I think player. it was important, too. I mean, nothing against Brian Holiday, but based on Brad Osmus talking during the season about how the number of all the attributes you want in a catcher, framing, calling a game, throwing out base runners, blocking balls in the dirt, the number one attribute, and he says this is far and away the key for any catcher, is calling the right pitch in the right situation. And he said it took him four, five years to learn to do that. And it's going to take time. You can't speed that process up. So it just seemed to me you had to have a veteran catcher with James McCann. Soltz obviously fits that bill. And I think that great pickup. It's costing you the minimum because Miami's paying him this year. And James McCann, uh, to me, uh, is uh, reminds me a lot of Brad Osmus. He's bigger. Uh, Brad was more of a smaller catcher. But he reminds me a lot of Brad from the standpoint that Brad was very athletic. Brad ran well. Um, Brad uh, was somebody who was very quick getting out of his stance and throwing and did the things that you're talking about extraordinarily well. And if you were to ask me who reminds me most of uh, who James McCann reminds me most of in my frame reference of Tiger players past, it is Brad Osmus. Brad Osmus was very good at framing pitches, getting the extra strikes. Uh, Did all the little things well, and he could hit 
A little bit. A little bit. And when he, he, the one thing that he could do, and James, you saw this with James McCann sometimes. James McCann runs well for a catcher. Yes, so he did, did. So did Brad. Inside the park home run and what, three triples, I think it was? Yeah, I mean, he moves. He can, you know, the, not, I'm not saying he's. You the know, one thing you might hear about James McCann, and you probably will hear this because it gets a lot of attention now as, as you know, more and more websites pop up about how well catchers get, quote unquote, extra strikes for their pitchers. Well, he did not grade out well in that area this year. I will say this. Uh, about that, and that is that they were throwing a lot at him this year, and they didn't really. Brad was very good at it, and Alex Avila was very good at it. He didn't necessarily grade out especially well this year at getting extra strikes. He has in the past. He has in the past. And they had him working with James McCann, but they didn't really start that work until late in the year, late August, early September, when he really started working with him on an almost daily basis. And that's one area I think it will be very interesting to see because he had some bad habits. Alex talked about it, and I would think that this year, given his work ethic and his talent, that that's an area we're going to see James McCann improve by leaps and bounds, that ability to get, quote-unquote, extra strikes for your pitchers. It's huge, and they worked with him a lot. It's going to take time, but I still think he's going to be a lot better this year. James McCann last year against left-handed pitching, uh, 9-16 OPS. It's phenomenal. Four home runs, 14 RBI, and just 105 at-bats. First right-handed pitching, uh, OPS 609. Uh, that's an incredible – that's 300 points. Uh, yeah, and Castellanos was about the same, but Castellanos hit righties with more power than McCann did. Right. McCann hit three home runs uh, against – he had five triples. Five uh, of triples. course, Comerica Park being that uh, type of park. But, uh, you know, he's uh, somebody that uh, – Look, he's not going to, I think, be a great hitter against right-handed pitching. But he can certainly be better than that. He can, can be better it. than that, and I think that that ability to hit lefties like that could be something that's – Think all that was out. on his plate last year. He was not expecting to be the number one catcher, and he turned into the number one catcher pretty early in the year. There was a lot on his plate, and young catchers can develop as hitters. Catchers, period, can often develop as hitters later in their careers rather than earlier in their careers. I think he's just going to get better and better. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Randy, you're on Tiger Talk on ninety seven one the ticket. What's up, buddy? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. How are you? Hey. Well, nothing better talking about baseball when the snow is blowing in my face. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I agree with you about that. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask Scott, how, how much do you guys think it's going to help to have you know Iglesias one hundred percent healthy with uh, starting pitching and especially in late in the game when the, you know, some of our ground ball pitchers can rely on a play being made, a double play, or sometimes a great play to get them out of jams, you know, because a lot of times last year you saw the Tigers get hurt by that. You know, I, I, look, uh, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I don't, don't want to sound overly critical, but uh, I would not be in the camp uh, where I think Jose – I think Jose Iglesias is a, is a big question mark for the Tigers. I think he has a lot to prove. Um, uh, I think, uh, he's flashy fans like that. He hits for a high average, uh, or has, you know, at certain points, he made the all-star game last year, but his defensive metrics don't match the flashiness of the way he feels. And it's you know, a pretty good sample size. Now he's been in the league for a while. And I think his hitting has to be more productive, not just kind of a batting average thing on base percentage has to be over 300. He's fast, but he has to use that speed to create uh, situations on the bases. He has to be better on the bases. He he has to be a better player. To me, the two question marks of the team are left field and center field combo, 
depending sh- on who's where. And shortstop. I would agree. I would agree. I think Jose Iglesias, we, we've seen the upside. The upside is he makes plays that nobody can make. And yet, you're absolutely right. The defensive metrics, he doesn't grade out especially well. And there has to be a reason for that. And I think the blow up with James McCann was an outgrowth of some of the things that the Tigers had seen, which was he wasn't going after some balls or diving for some balls that players felt like he should be. And that, that is something I think he'll, he'll have to not address, but just show that he's willing to go after any ball and do whatever it takes to get those balls so that uh, he is not just the guy who makes the flashy play, but makes a lot of plays that maybe you, you, you know, have been getting the ground balls have been getting by him in the past that, that won't this year because you're absolutely right. You get ground ball pitchers, you need that shortstop to gobble them up. Yeah, you know, Randy, and, and that's the thing. I Look, and I understand why fans like him, and, and maybe they're right, you know, on that. He certainly played well the first half of last year. But um, I thought that before the injuries took over, there was a definite down trend with him. And um, I, I think that's a, a concerning position. You know, I thought maybe yeah. they might move him this offseason. I was thinking he would be one of the candidates. There were two guys – they were kind of in his category. The other one was Castellanos, where you're going to have to start to pay him after this year. So this would be the year that you would move. Arbitration eligible money. So um, Castellanos, uh, there's a grinder aspect to him uh, where he just fights through stuff. And he, I think he's got a chance. This will be a big year because I, I really do think there's upside there. The kid's 23 years old. And I, I agree with you about His approach is so solid at the plate. I, I really am interested to see if that's going to translate into it. I'm talking 25-85. Do you think that's crazy? You know, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, it may I, not I'm be not... this year, but I just think that that is in there because the power is massive Yeah, when he really gets a hold of one. And, uh, I mean, there have been growing pains, but he is young. And power hitters tend to develop. What I, what I like about Castellanos after a few years. that I don't necessarily like about Iglesias, and Castellanos can be very frustrating to watch defensively. As hard as he's worked, he seems to be limited defensively, athletically. I will say he made more plays this year, Pat. I know he doesn't grade out well yet, but he did make more plays. I'll, be surprised. I'll say that. I think he would be surprised if he's ever just. You he know, needs to get to. He's working to get to average. Yeah, I mean, yeah. On a, a true and major if he gets league there, that'd scale. Be great. He's, I think he's always going to be like a third, at best, a 35, 30 third baseman on a major league right, scale. Right. And uh, which is below average. But he has an upside as a hitter. He really does. And what I like about him is he fights through things. All right. I mean, he gets a little chip on his shoulder. He gets a little, you know, but he fights through things. Where Iglesias, there's a little bit of a, maybe a little prima donna there. James McCann called him out and you saw it. And uh, I, I don't necessarily think James McCann just did that magically. I think that's been a bit of an issue. Uh, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. What do you think? You're listening to the Tiger Talk at 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. 248 <laughs> Uh, Stephen Moya uh, dropped out of the top ten. Yeah, by and, Baseball uh, America's uh, top ten rankings. And uh, I was telling I thought you, that was interesting. Well, I think it's very interesting. But I was telling you that, uh, and you made a good point. So when do you ever see a guy like that ever? Well, with, the, with the you, strikeouts you say you still believe in Stephen Moya, and I'm glad to hear that. A little bit more I, than others. I'm a doubter for this reason only: that two years ago, a Double A, 23 walks, 161 strikeouts, followed up by 27 walks. 
162 strikeouts. It, to me, it's rare that a low-walk, high-strikeout guy in the minor leagues is going to have a lot of success at the major league level. I know the Tigers love his power. What's not to like? But I'm just afraid the hole in the swing is too big. If it was 70 walks, 160 strikeouts, I'd be thinking, okay, I think, I think, I think gotta, there. I, I, I just you, don't think he has enough discipline right now. I think you got a fair point there. But uh, that kid was hurt at the beginning of last yes, year. Yes, he was. And I looked at it in more, it's a statistical evaluation. You make great points on it. Don't argument there. But what I liked about him last year is he came back and he was terrible. He came back from this injury. A lot was expected of him. A lot of pressure on him. He was yeah, terrible. He had 35 home runs a year before. Big year. And he grinded it out at the end. And I don't know. You have to look this up. I'm not sure what it is. I may be full of it. It's kind of like that. McCann thing, I was actually right about that. But, you know, I mean, I look up a lot of statistical stuff, and it goes flying Sometimes those numbers head. are bouncing around. Yeah, and I got a lot of numbers in my head for all these sports. But Moya, what I remember, I watched a lot of their games. While you guys are on, I got it on. He is somebody that uh, I thought showed some ability to grind through things last year. And he's got big-time power, and he's athletic for his size. So there's a lot of there there. It's just a matter of will it – Shine. And now right. you're right. Sometimes with guys like that, it never happens because the high strikeout, low walk ratio thing's a sign of a lack of pitch recognition. Right. But that was his first year in AAA. The yep. pitchers are smarter. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, I, I might have put him, I used to do the top 10. I did it for right. a long time. Yeah. Would you have? I would have, might have taken him out of the top yeah. 10. And they got some guys, there's Michael Gerber, who was at Grammar. He was older for that league. They kept him there the entire league. But he did well in the Arizona Fall League. He's a good player. I think he's, you know, some people think he's an extra outfielder and all that. Maybe that's what he'll be. But I think he's somebody that's going to contribute in the major leagues and will be good. And the good thing is with Stephen Moy, I mean, there's no real rush to bring him up this year. I mean, another another year at AAA at age 24 is not necessarily a bad thing. And you, he might be the, you never know. He might be somebody who'll help him in left field if they don't sign Jonas Cespedes, which I just wrote a column for the Oakland Press saying they should. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, I said yes. I said yes because the Cabrera, <laughs> because it's not your money. Verlander, they're not <laughs> getting any younger. I think I'm expecting bounce back years for those guys because of injuries. Yep, they're moving out of their prime though. Um, Kinsler's not getting any younger. Uh, Victor Martinez. So if you're going to go well, for four it, key good. guys are in the 32, 33 age range. Victor's obviously a little older. A little older, and then uh, well, Kinsler I think is 34 now. 34 this year. And uh, also, I think uh, when you look at uh, a Tigers situ- MVP the last two years, by the way, <laughs> he a very good player, I mean, really good. Player. He really is a very good player. And it checks out metrically that yes. way too. And also, um, I really uh, I think that uh, when you look at the the fact that they spend a lot of money, go for it. You know, right, I mean, so that's he's, he's obviously looking at. Sounds like he's still on the market, and everybody's wondering why. He's looking for at least 150. Does that seem reasonable? Well, that's Does what that I sound... did. My good friend I mean, Nick, what... Nick Cafardo wrote that yep. this week. Six uh, years, 150, right? Right, and uh, I think I think it was Nick who wrote it. Somebody wrote it that I read this somewhere. That Cespedes, uh, I didn't hear from anybody. I read it in a publication. Um, that Cespedes, uh, you know, Boston and Detroit are looking at Cespedes uh, and waiting for the numbers to go down. And the Mets aren't going to sign him. I don't know whether it's true or not. Right. I didn't read that from Nick. 
But Nick's pretty wired with Boston. With Boston, right. So, um, you know, I have a pretty good idea that that may be. Uh, All right, so now case. you're pushing the payroll to over $200 million, roughly, because it's yes. the best estimate right now. About 180 After arbitration is about 177 Baseball reference does a pretty good job of this, I right, think. Right, that's what they have it. Yeah, but they have it at 177 Depends on Right, it's, yeah. it's right in that range. So, so get now Ryan you're Rayburn. at 202. Right. I just can't picture it, Pat, because here's the other thing. You want to be able to add somebody midseason if you have a need. And usually those guys are the David Prices of the world who will cost you extra millions in the next couple of months and probably for the next year that's as well. A, that's, a, that's a very good point. And that, that, that just seems to me, and you're right, I think Mike Gillich, he likes having a winner. And if it, if, if that's the one, but I just think in terms of the, the, re, the reality of going, not just over the luxury tax because the first year, it's, it's just in terms of the tax that you're going to, the penalty well, you're going to pay, it's, too, rel- it's relatively small. But uh, I just don't picture over $200 million. I just don't. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's my point about it. Look, you have already spent the money. You've already going to have buyer's remorse if your players <laughs> don't come through three or four years down the road. If you only go halfway now, you may regret it. This is the time to go now. Point you made, that's a really good one. You want to save a little in the bank in case you want to go get somebody. Um, that's a good point. And there's really no one you could trade to bring that payroll down. I hear people say, well, you could trade Kinsler. He makes $14 million. Ian Kinsler is a bargain at $14 million. Right. He absolutely well, is. Trade deadline, maybe Kinsler, Sanchez. I wouldn't trade Ian you're, Kinsler. You're not going to you're not gonna be able to unload years. Cabrera, Verlander, right, and then Norma Julie Or Mark. V-Mart. And or the V-Mart. big price guys. You're not going to. But no. I was, certainly would not trade Ian Kinsler. He is worth his weight in gold right now. It's not like last year where they cut $12 million off the payroll. That's what they right. did last year. Dropped it, it from 172 yeah. to 160 You're still looking at next year and the year after. Very high payrolls but you're either, locked in right now. You understand my point. I understand your you're point. You're either in it or you're not. When you but get caught a, in no man's land, you're the baseball version of the Milwaukee Bucks. But this, <laughs> but this is a team that was first in batting average, second in on base, and fifth in slugging. Right. With an injured Victor Martinez who never hit the way he can all year. That's true. And with Miguel Cabrera injured, and I say that because he only hit 18 right. home runs. In other words, you're saying it was all about pitching, and I basically yes. agree with you. But so I just know, I don't know, in other words, what would that bat give you? You'd get a great left fielder. But I just don't know, in other words, above and beyond what you have, which I think is an offense that underperformed because they finished 10th in run scoring. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that's the need that they need to spend $25 million on. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. I don't know. if It depends if the price comes down. $25 million right. is reportedly what he's asking for. Derek, you're on 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Hey, good evening, gentlemen. And it's that lack of offense that's my concern for this season. All right. So you think- well, here's the thing. You know, last year around this time, I called you guys and we were doing the win-loss uh, prediction total. Yeah, that'll be coming 79. in a few weeks, by the way. I'm going to wait a few weeks on that this year. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, okay. well, you, even Dan though I know everybody, everybody is breathlessly yeah, waiting yeah, my prediction. Last year I picked 79. <laughs> right right around this time, right now, I'd say they, 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 I, probably a little bit less than that. Okay. You know, when I look at the everyday lineup, what I'm basically looking at is you're bringing in Maben in place of Cespedes. Pretty much everybody else, you know, remains. And and I don't really consider that an upgrade. You know, that guy's not really a major league starting player. And when you have pretty much no left-handed production and a questionable starting pitching staff, I just don't see it. You know, the bullpen, I think, substantially improved. I like that. But the problem is, fellas, you're going to be scoring two runs probably more often than not. And going into seventh inning, you're just not going to have very many leads. 
Yeah, two runs or fewer. I think the final total was something like 61 times yeah. this past season. They'd average about 40 times a season the previous four years when they were winning the Central, and that's a big number. And you're right. That that uh, that stands out. The number of times I got one other point, fellas, if I can make it. Sure. Um, how how many of these Tigers players are really committed to hitting the gym and working out? You know, I had a pleasure back in 1991 of working out two days in a row with Mister October Reggie Jackson, and I'm gonna tell you that guy is actually a, a strong guy. I'm a pretty strong guy, and we worked out for a couple of days. And I'm looking in the gym. The A's were in town playing the Tigers. Harold Baines is in there. I've never seen a Tiger player, and I'm really questioning these guys' commitment, man. <laughs> but they don't live here. I, you know what? I, I honestly don't. You know, when it comes down to their workout. There is no – I see it on a daily basis. You know, There's no question these guys work very hard. They uh, definitely hit the weights. And, you know, a lot of those guys are superior athletes, uh, partly because they're you – know, people may see Cabrera and because he's such a big dude, but he is very strong. And uh, does lift. Uh, Victor Martinez, for his age, exceptionally got hurt, actually. Right. Uh, because maybe he's overdone it. Uh, Kinsler, outstanding shape. In terrific shape. I mean, I just look at one player after another. Uh, that uh, No, I you, like you that. watch the work that they do, and there are two strength and conditioning Maybe Bruce coaches. Rondon. <laughs> <laughs> The, 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 the core of the team, <laughs> the main guys, they work very hard at what they do. They really do. Because it's not just about, about strength. But it's, it's the length of the season and also staying healthy. Yeah. And you, you work out so that you can stay healthy over 162 and hopefully get closer to 190. Verland is in great shape, too. I mean, those guys, they work out incredibly hard, dude. 248 539 Are coming up next, Brad Osmus, Tigers manager, 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97-1, the ticket. J.D. Martinez at the plate. Two runs in, one out. Three-nothing Tigers are in the bottom of the fifth inning. Fly ball left field. Way down the line in left. And gone. J.D. Martinez, number 34. It's a two-run shot and a 5-0 lead for the Tigers in the fifth. We go double D with that call. J.D. Martinez. Nobody mentions J.D. Martinez. Guy had 40 bombs last year. You not know, bad. Not bad. And he was good defensively, too. He was very good in right field. So, he uh, really was. He worked yeah. hard at it. Yeah, so there is a pretty good player. And that's a guy that the Tigers are probably, you would think, lock him up before the start of the year. I would think that it's something. Extend point. him. He's got two years left before he's a free agent. I would think that that uh, is very realistic. You know, there's the irony of all ironies is that, uh, you know, the Tigers pick up J.D. Martinez at a time when they seem to, you know, kind of be, but they pick up with this player. He's a younger player. And the Astros, they take a off, you know, and did pretty well last year, made the playoffs with uh, – out J.D. Martinez after giving up on him the right. sp- not the last spring but the spring before so kind of interesting how it all works right really was he's been amazing the consistency and the power in that bat wow yeah and uh, you're talking about uh, a player who uh, you know nobody mentions we you know we've done the show here twice uh, this off season and we haven't mentioned J.D. Martinez until once. this very moment yeah. <laughs> And he was their MVP last year. Not Cabrera, not it, uh, anybody else. Well, hey, I can make a case Kins- for Kinsler. Kinsler, yeah. Just but it wasn't her Tiger of the Year by far. The baseball writers voting for it. Uh, I think was J.D. It was yeah, J.D. So. Martinez, yeah. I would think. I, I voted for J.D. Martinez, I think, in that thing. So, pretty good year by him. Another key, I think, is um, what's Verlander going to do? You know? 
Yep. Uh, he was real good the second half of last year. Final 14 starts, it's worth repeating. 227, 74 hits in 99 innings, almost a strikeout an inning. He was back to being ace level. And I think that is one of the big questions. To me, the bigger question is Anibal Sanchez. Can he get back to being that guy? Not the ERA champion, but that guy that we know can be that 320, 330 ERA, be a number two starter. Because that makes the rotation look a lot better. Um, you know, and when you look at the Tigers in their situation that they have right now, um, it's uh, something where are they really contenders? What are the odds of them winning the World Series? All those different things. Bouncing back to that spot where that's where people look at them as being championship caliber. So yeah, I think it'll it'll take the start of the season before people. I don't think they're going to be picked to win the Central. A lot of people are already picking Cleveland, or at least Cleveland seems to be one of the trending teams. Kansas City, certainly. But I think the Tigers are one of those teams that they can certainly be right there a month into the season. Everybody's like, oh, this team is back to being really good. Joining us now is Tigers manager, uh, Brad Osmus. What's up, Brad? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. You know, I know you're out where it's nice and sunny and they got sailboats and everything. <laughs> but you can't wait to get here for that tour, Brad. It's, it snowed like crazy, just in honor of you. Hey, I love winter. I grew up in the Northeast. I have uh, I miss winter sometimes. So yeah, you get a dose of it when you come back here. A uh, lot of moves this off season, Brad. Uh, you guys uh, going to the off season seems like you've regrouped pretty well. And uh, how do you feel about uh, the club as uh, you prepare uh, for the 2016 season? I actually feel uh, I feel really good about it. I think Al, uh, when we got together, kind of as a group with the scouts and front office people, uh, they they laid out the really the general plan in terms of what we want to do with specific targets and uh, the vast majority of those being pitching both starting and uh, bullpen. And I think uh, Al and his staff have done really a, a real nice job in terms of uh, improving the pitching across the board. Really didn't waste much time, did they, making those moves? No, they didn't. And, uh, you know, Al keeps me in the loop with everything that's going on and then solicits, solicits my opinion and along with the other people he has surrounding him. But uh, some of these things, it amazes me now that I'm on this side of it, having been a player for so long. Sometimes it never ceases to amaze me how quickly sometimes these contract things can come together. They'll be on, you know, on and off discussions for maybe a few weeks or even over the course of months, and then it'll just come to a head, and within you know, 24 hours you might have a deal done. Yeah, you know, it's a situation uh, with the Tigers, too, last year. Uh, you guys started out pretty well, and then it uh, you know, kind of dissipated the, the entire season. But you have a lot of core players, Brad, who've been very successful before coming back from injuries. You know, Miguel Cabrera not coming off surgery this year. Justin Verlander, the second half. We talk about the acquisitions that you have, but you got uh, you know five players there. I'd say Annabelle Sanchez. Ian Kinsler was very good last year. Players that have been there, major league veterans, who uh, are a core that you've already had established there that, you know, had some injury issues maybe last year. Well, I think, I think you're right, and I think that's probably a big reason along with the fact that Mr. Illich uh, wants a World Series championship team. Uh, but I think that's part of the reason you look at the club and go, hey, this is this does not have to be a rebuild. Um, this can be a situation where it's more of a reboot. We, we fill some gaps. We have some guys return from injuries and hopefully have healthy full seasons. And uh, you're somewhat close to where you thought you were a couple of years ago. Brad, describe from a manager's standpoint how much different it, it's going to feel this year. You look at the track records of Justin Wilson, K 
K-Rod at the back end of the bullpen, Mark Lowe, power arms for Lowe and Wilson, and K-Rod certainly can close it out. We, we were detailing earlier in the show that, that you tried going to your bullpen <laughs> numerous occasions, guys who just couldn't get out with any regularity. How different a feel is that going to be for you this year? And, and you think about Blaine Hardy and Alex Wilson ahead of those guys. Well, and I don't want to knock the guys, because some of the guys we had, like Wilson and Hardy, pitch well, right. but I think they were asked to pitch in roles they're not used to pitching in. It doesn't mean someday they won't be able to pitch in those roles. It just means I think it was a little bit early in their careers to ask them to do that. Um, and, and once Soria was traded, we really we really didn't have anyone who was uh, equipped to pitch pa- after the seventh inning on a regular basis. And uh, now you have a guy in in, in uh, K-Rod who's obviously done it for – Although he's he's been around for years, he's still in his early 30s, uh, and obviously uh, one of the best modern closers. And uh, and you have the two setup guys right in front of him, um, you know, in Wilson and Lowe, who I think uh, I think you could mix and match. I think generally speaking, you probably go Wilson, Lowe, K Rod in that order. But if if the opposing lineup sets up where there's some lefties going to be up in the eighth and uh, righties up in the seventh, he might flip flop them. Uh, uh, but generally speaking, I think you go the other way. Uh, Dan and I had a discussion, Brad, about uh, James McCann a little bit earlier. You, know, you got uh, Jared Saltamacchia, a left-handed hitter, uh, replacing Alex Avila basically in that spot. Uh, James McCann played pretty well last year. His splits were a lot better against right or left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching. But he he did some damage, and he's a very good player. Younger player coming up reminds us. Me a lot of you when you played similar type of skills. Um, when you look at that, uh, how much are you going to play McCann? How much do you plan on looking at that with uh, platooning in with Saltamachia? How many games is McCann going to play? I don't. There's no hard number. Uh, you know, a lot of that is determined as the season goes on. But Max going to be the guy coming out of spring training. You know, he's going to be the opening day catcher, assuming he's healthy. Uh, he's going to get the vast majority of the starts. Um, but I think. Uh, what you alluded to in terms of the right-left splits, it gives us an opportunity with a guy like Salsa Lamaki as a switch hitter to play him against a tough right-handed pitcher um, or even spell uh, Mack when he gets tired, regardless of what the opposing starting pitcher right. is. And uh, he obviously has some experience. He was a World Series champion catcher for the Red Sox, and uh, uh, he does. He kind of fills the gap where, where Alex was. And uh, he, he certainly also has a little bit of popcorn off the bench if we need him to pinch hit late in games. But we're not going to test your Ivy League education by making you spell his name. Stop <laughs> I don't know if I... Two C's or two you, H's? You're going to have to fill that lineup, card. I got my computer in front of me. I could probably Google it. <laughs> Brad, looking at your outfield, you got Cameron Maben and uh, Anthony Goats in left and in center, or in center and in left. I'm not sure which way uh, who's going to play where. Both their numbers, kind of surprisingly, and we talked about this during the season, they did not grade out especially well defensively. Maben's always graded out well. This is the first year he has not. You felt that Anthony Ghost graded out better with your eyes and your evaluation than the overall numbers did at the end of the year. Can you just talk a little bit about the defense of these two guys and, and where you see each one in the, in the coming year? Well, I'm familiar with Cameron Maben because he was with – San Diego when I worked over there yep. as, a, as a special assistant and I've watched him play center field and he can go get it and I'm not exactly sure what went on in Atlanta last year I still as much as they're trying uh, as much as teams are relying on metrics nowadays the, the defensive metrics are a little bit more dubious a little bit more subjective mm-hmm. um, so sometimes you got to go you got to balance the eye test with the numbers um, 
I do think that uh, in terms of preventing extra base hits, I think we can do a better job at that, uh, not just uh, Anthony. I, I just think across the board. Uh, and I, this was kind of an approach I took as a catcher. You really wanted to stay away from hard contact when you were calling games as a catcher, and you wanted to stay away from hard contact because you wanted to stay away from extra base extra base hits because extra base hits and home runs are a lot of times we're driving in the, the, uh, the multiple runs. And uh, I think you can kind of take the same mentality as an outfielder. If you can play a couple steps deeper and, and keep a double, a single, or, or run down a ball uh, that's over your head that might have been out of your reach had you been playing a little more shallow. Um, and I think you can use that approach a little bit uh, defending in the outfield. Now, obviously, the game situation will dictate you may have to play shallow late in the game with one-run lead or right. uh, one-run uh, lead or a tie game, et cetera. But I do think we'll, uh, that will be discussed with the outfielders. Uh, I do think also that Anthony Ghost has the ability to be a gold glove type center fielder. Uh, now, I don't know if he'll play center or left this year, but if you have Cameron Mabern in center and Ghost in left, uh, you got two guys who can cover that that large left field <laughs> line to right center field uh, piece of turf out there at Comerica. Yeah. Brad, uh, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, we'll see you soon on the uh, media tour, and uh, good luck in the coming season. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. See you there next you week. That's uh, Brad Osmus, the Tigers manager. Dan, enjoyed it as always. We'll be back next Tuesday at 7 o'clock with Tiger Talk. Coming up next, one broadcasting legend to another <laughs> from Dan Dickerson to Ken Cal inside Hockey Towns. Coming up next on 97 won the ticket. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.